I wrestled with the title because I, uh, I, I worded it one way and then I worded it another way. And it's not, uh, the way I want you to think about it is there are, are three times in the Bible where uh, Peter wanted to follow Jesus. Um, the first time Jesus looked at Peter and he said, follow me. Um, the second time Peter wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus said no. And the third time, Jesus looked at him in a different situation and said, follow me. And so um, Peter, being one of the first disciples that Jesus recruited, uh, was there at the very beginning of Jesus's three-year uh, ministry here on earth. And so I figured, hey, let's dive into this a little bit and let's see uh, what truths we can pull out uh, and, and use in our personal life. All right, so let's dive straight into it. And let's talk about, first of all, uh, the first follow me, okay? So we're going to read three different sections today. Um, and so we're going to talk about the first time Jesus said, follow me. Peter was out on uh, uh, the lake fishing. And uh, let's start reading Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. One day... As Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, uh, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, I will show you how to fish for people. Now I preached on this uh, last Sunday, so I'm not going to uh, preach the same sermon over again, but let me just kind of uh, camp on those verses just for a few moments. Uh, Jesus walked up to uh, Peter and he said, follow me, and Peter knew what that meant, which is huge, uh, because a lot of times when we come into a church um, or we decide to tell the Lord, hey, uh, I'm ready to, uh, to follow you. Uh, I'm ready to uh, be a disciple of yours. Uh, we don't really know what that means, what the sacrifices are going to involve. Uh, but Peter did. He knew that from this moment forward, my life is now going to be for one reason and one reason only, and that is to serve you. Now wrap your head around that. He's saying, look, um, if you're going to follow me, this for the remainder of your life, this is why you live. Um, you know, one of the hardest things that I do in life is, is watch what I eat. That is the biggest challenge I, I think I've ever faced. Are you with me on that? I can't stand watching what I eat. I want to watch it go in my mouth. I don't want to watch it like, can I eat this? Can I eat that? Can I eat this? Can I eat that? I want to, if I see it, I want to eat it. The worst moment of being at the mall is walking into the mall. The second worst moment of being in the mall is walking past American cookie because I want to buy it every time. And I don't know what cookie you like, but I like the pizza kind. 
because it's two of my favorite things. It's pizza and cookie. It's, it's shaped like a pizza, but it's a cookie. It's like a party in your mouth. Um, but but I, I love American cookie and I love to eat. And, and uh, I, this guy told me once, uh, he was like a personal trainer, and I don't like personal trainers. If you're a personal trainer, I like you. I just don't like what you do. Uh, because I used to have a personal trainer one time, and it's you pay these people to yell at you. You know what I mean? You got one more? No, I don't. I can't do one more. Come on, you can do it. If I could do it, I'd be doing it. I can't do it. But anyway, he told me one time, he goes, Frankie, the biggest bridge that you need to cross is you need to realize that you need to start uh, eating in order to live and not live to eat. I'm like, run that by me again? You, you have to eat to live, Frankie, but don't live to eat. Don't like look forward to your next meal and you can't wait to eat it. And, and then when you get there, you don't, no holds bars. You, you can't live like that. You know, and I remember him saying, look, it's not rocket science uh, to be 100 pounds overweight. All you have to do is gain, you know, five pounds a year. What did he say? Four pounds a year for 25 years. I'm like, ah, you, you, you're good, you. And he goes, you'll be 100 pounds overweight in 25 years. I'm like, so I started doing the math. I'm like, I don't want to be 100 pounds overweight. But if I'm only two pounds a year for 25 years, can I handle that? And by that, by that age, I don't really care anyway. So, you know, let's just do it. But there's this live to eat and, uh, or, or eat to live. You know, that, that's a whole mentality shift when it comes to eating. Um, you know, do I need to eat in order, do I need to eat this to stay alive? Yes, I do. And you eat it versus the other mentality. And that's the same bridge just on a different level that Peter was crossing. Um, I am now living for Christ. Paul called himself a slave. I am a slave to Christ. And so when he said, follow me, he's saying, you are no longer going to live for your goals from this moment forward. Are you good with that? And Peter said yes. Now, G Peter is with Jesus for uh, three years. And they're having dinner with each other. They call it the Last Supper. But let me tell you a different situation. Jesus is sitting this. this is in John chapter 13, verse 33. Now I'm going to talk to you about the second follow me opportunity. Dear children, this is Jesus speaking in John chapter 13, verse 33. Dear children, I will, and by the way, let me say this. Uh, never mind, I'll start to digress. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 33. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So I am going to give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I, has lo I have loved you. You should love each other. So he's saying, I'm about to leave. You can't come with me. So remember what I'm saying. Love each other and love me. Because I'm leaving. Bye-bye. I'm going. This has been great. 
but I'm leaving. Verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Proof that you love me is that you love each other. And you say, well, how is that proof? Let's think about it. Is it really easy to love each other under any circumstances? No. No. And when Jesus says love each other, he's, say, he's not saying love those that are easy to love, but you don't have to love those that are hard to love. He's saying love everybody, and that is so difficult to do that by doing it, you're gonna stick out. And that's gonna be proof that you're my disciple. So he, he, started, he continues to unpack that thought. Verse 36, Simon Peter said, well, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. Verse 37, but why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. So Jesus said a few moments ago, he said, follow me. Three years earlier, he said, follow me. Peter said, yes. Now Jesus is going away and Peter is saying, can I follow you? And Jesus is saying, no, you can't. Now I almost preached just on this portion because it is so frustrating when you want to do something that's good but you're not feeling any help from God are you with me thank you sir isn't it frustrating when you're wanting to do something good but you're not getting any help from God are you with me? You want to do something good. How many of you ever, have ever said anything like this? God, if you will just tell me what to do, I'd do it. There we go. I found you that time. It took me for a second to find you. If you just tell me, nobody wants to just be, uh, you know, completely rebellious. God, you tell me to go right, I'm going to go left. Ha. No, it just make sure I know. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But in this situation, this is exactly what's happening. Peter is saying, I want to follow. And Jesus is saying, no, you're going to have to wait. You know you're in a season of waiting when one or two things are happening to you. Number one, there's not only these two, but these are two things. You are in a season of waiting Actually, I wrote down three. When you're not feeling a sense of destiny on what you're doing, you're in a season of waiting. Maybe there's some of us here today that you're doing, you, your life feels very mundane. It doesn't feel like it's carrying any uh, spiritual value 
It doesn't feel like it's carrying, uh, you know, it's, it's not moving with a lot of momentum. You might be in a season of waiting. And this is exactly what Jesus told Peter. No, you can't come. You have to wait. Another indication that, that you might be in a season of waiting is when uh, what you haven't, been, you haven't been giving what you need in order to move forward. I remember uh, when Jez and I used to work together at, uh, at Lakewood, I would walk down the hall saying, God, is it time for me to go start a church yet? Is it time for me to go start a church yet? Is it time for me to go start? And I would walk for nine months to a year. I was just, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? And then I realized I had no worship leader. I had no building and I didn't know what city to go to. So obviously it's not time yet. Are you with me? I'm in a season of waiting. I wanted to go up to Jez like, Jez, you know I can preach better than Joel, dude. Come on. Come on. You know I can. Mark was at, at Lakewood too, and I'm looking around. I'm like, dude, come on, man. Guys, everybody follow me. Joel ain't doing anything around here. Clearly, you can see the, um, he's only got 60,000 people. There's no momentum here. But nothing was coming together. And so you f I found myself, and maybe some of you are there right now, you just find yourself like, and you got all this passion, but you don't have any of the pieces to the puzzle. So you're in a season of waiting. I can't stand seasons of waiting. I hate seasons of waiting. But Jesus told Peter, you can't come, you gotta wait. He's wanting to follow him. The other way you know you're in a season of waiting is when there's lots of unanswered questions. In my case, it was, what city do I go to? I knew I was gonna start a church. I knew I was gonna be a pastor when I was this big. Literally, I'd sit on the front row and I'd watch my dad preach and I'm like, that's what I'm gonna do one day. Period. I, uh, I mean, I used to watch Joel and, and imitate Joel. And I'm not... Anytime you're in the Houston area, why don't you come by and see us? We'll make you feel right at home. <laughs> I mean, I, I will watch them all the time. Did I, that was pretty good, right? We'll make you feel right at home. We love you. Doesn't that sound like Joel? We love you. And I would just wait, but I had all these unanswered questions. It just wasn't matching up. All these unanswered questions, you know you're in a season of waiting. And so here, Peter, when Jesus said the first time, follow me, Peter said, I'm ready. Now Jesus is going somewhere. He's going to die on the cross. He's going somewhere to, to go see his father. And Jesus, Peter says, I want to come too. And he's like, no, you got to wait. Now, for all of us that may or may not be in a season of waiting, um, it's very encouraging to get through a season of waiting, if you're in it right now, by looking at the last season you were forced to wait in. Does that make sense? It, when you look back and go, why did God make me wait then? And to see what you learned in that season, you go, oh, man, it's a good thing. 
Like, I remember proposing to somebody when I was 14. I remember looking at her. Her name was Heather. I was like, will you marry me? And she's like, yes. I'm like, good. Let's do this. That's as far as that got. There's sometimes we want things to get going. And, and, and Peter had to wait. There was two reasons why Peter had to wait. Jesus said, you can't follow me. Number one is there's a maturity level. Peter was a, a, a very impulsive. You know, he looking, he's always looking for a bar fight. Very impulsive. He had to slow that down. You got to slow that down. Um, Peter, his maturity level needed to go up. Uh, there, there was things that he was not ready for. Additionally, Jesus, now watch this. Peter had to mature, but there was something else going in parallel on why he had to wait, because Jesus had to do some things that Peter didn't even know about before Peter's ministry could really take off. He had to mature, number one, but number two, Jesus had to do some things on the side. When he died on the cross, the Bible says that he went to hell and he took the keys to the kingdom of, of, on the earth away from Satan. Jesus needed to do that, but that was way above Peter's head. He had no idea that was about to happen. There are times when Jesus has us in a holding mode because of the same reasons. Either number one, there's things in us that need to mature and develop. And number two, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is doing things that we don't even know about. Getting things ready and preparing. And it's, it's like the, the two have to intersect at the same exact time at the right moment. If, you if we would have started the church six months earlier or six months later, we wouldn't have met the people that we needed in order to start the church. And the same is true with you. You have countless stories of the significant relationships in your life that if you would have missed out on meeting that person 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that relationship had to meet you had to be there, and this person had to introduce you to that person. That person had to introduce you to this person. That's all happening during a season of waiting. And it's happening in parallel at the same exact time. So before I get to the third follow me, just let me just kind of equip you with this. When you are in a season of waiting, first of all, you know that that's happening, but number, uh, as an additional, there's two things that we can do proactively. Number one is just keep the confidence knowing that God's not going to let you miss your boat. He's watching you and he's not going to let you miss your destiny. He's not going to let that happen. To have confidence in the Lord in first, um, I'm sorry, in Philippians, in the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, it says that you can be sure of this one Thing. In other words, you can't be sure of a lot, but you can be sure of this one thing, 
that he who started a work in you will be faithful to see that it is completed. So in that season of waiting, you can just kind of just say, I know God's got everything under control. But then number two, any time the Lord grabbed somebody in the Bible and started using them in a powerful way, they were, he pulled them from being busy. They were busy doing something. When he recruited the disciples, they were out fishing. When Elijah recruited his, uh, his, this guy named Elisha, Elisha was out farming. All of these people were busy doing everything that they knew how to do. And then God said, okay, now what you really want to do, what I put in your heart. See, sometimes we're just doing what we know how to do because it's, we're just doing it lest we do nothing, right? And then the Lord says, okay, this season's over. Let's get moving. So now we got the first follow me. The second time he says, you can't follow me. You are not ready yet. And the opportunity is not ready yet. And then Jesus dies on the cross. He gets put in a grave. He comes out of the grave, which that would have been awesome. Could you imagine? Ah! <laughs> comes out of the grave. He's walking around. He looks at Peter. Now here comes the third opportunity to follow. Watch this. John chapter 21, verse 20, uh, 18. I tell you the truth. Watch this. This is a whole different level of follow me. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. See, the first follow me, he said, are you ready to live for me? The second follow me is, are you ready to die for me? Those are two completely level different levels of commitment the first follow me is are you ready to stop valuing this world and all the material things in it are you guys seeing that the first time Jesus looked at Peter and said follow me he's saying Stop valuing all these earthly things and let's start valuing some eternal things. I want you to live for me. But now he's saying, follow me. And he's saying, are you ready to die for me? Those are two completely different levels of commitment. See, in this room, I, I look out into this room and I say, are you guys ready to live for Jesus are you ready for the kingdom to be what you are laser focused on live for him in other words the lust of the eyes and 
the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, you know, you're going to constantly fight that because you're going to live for him. But then there's dying for him. Now, if you're new here, I don't want you to think that I'm about to pass out Kool-Aid and have everybody wear Nikes and we're going to wait for a spaceship to come and, and get us all. Um, but there, there's, 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 can you imagine if you're the, this is the first time you're here and I'm like, are you ready to die? Yes, I am ready to die. All right, bring out the Kool-Aid, everybody. Bring out the Kool-Aid. And, and no, I, I, I'm, <laughs> sometimes we, we got to remember what, our verbiage sounds like when you haven't been in the church world for 25, 30 years. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and what I mean by saying, are you, are you ready to die for him? It means that your will is constantly, Paul said, I feel like I'm dying every day. I die daily. It's, it's my will is just constantly are you willing to lose? On a very fundamental level, um, arguing and fighting, are, are you willing for all that to happen? And then something else really cool happens. Uh, right after that, he looks at Peter and he looks at the rest of the disciples and he says, I want you guys to go down to Jerusalem and I want you to just go wait and here, I'm sure Peter's like, oh gosh, I thought my waiting seasons were over. I want you to go wait in this room until my spirit fills you. And what he's saying here is there are levels of intimacy um, that you can experience with me. And so there's all, there's like this gradual progression but it all starts with yes I will follow you and what's important to me is now not most important what's most important is now what's most important to you and then the progression begins um Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. You know, um, I want to um, raise your hand if, if this is your church, like this is your home church. Um, most of the hands went up. I see people that didn't raise your hands. You're still kind of checking us out, wondering if this is a place that you want to be. Um, let me just talk to those of you that raised your hand for me. I just want to tell you, um, my spirit is in transition right now. I can feel God dealing with me. And um, the, the way I feel him working on me is this sense of knowing that that scripture in the Bible where it says in a twinkling of an eye I'm going to return this sense of knowing that Jesus is going to return real soon 
you know, when it's wars and rumors of wars are going to be indications of the last days. I was talking with somebody. I was not aware that international waters are 12 miles off the coast of New York or off the coast of Texas. I was not aware of that. And there's these ships cruising international waters that are like loaded. And there's just this, um, what the news is not reporting is that there's just lots of um, the nations right now, I mean, Jerusalem got, was on fire yesterday or the day before. My brain is kind of, but they just, I was just in Jerusalem a year and a half ago. They just bombed Jerusalem. There's just so many things that are happening. And I have this sense that the Lord's coming back real soon. And that's why last Sunday I was talking about, hey, we are going to be so regretful if we get to heaven and we haven't used our life as leverage to introduce people to Jesus. We're going to be so regretful if what we did with our life is just try to figure out how we can be more intimate with Jesus while we're on earth. We spent our whole life trying to figure out how to be more intimate with Jesus while we're on earth. Like when we get to heaven and we're talking to each other, and well, basically what I did while I was on earth is I spent my whole life trying to figure out how to be intimate with Jesus while I was on earth. What did you do? Well, I had a lot of problems when I was on earth and I spent my whole life praying for God to get me out of these problems. Well, what did you do? Well, I had a lot of problems and I didn't have a very big house and I didn't really have a lot of money, but you see that group of people over there? I brought all those people to church and they got saved and they're here right now because of me. The person that says that to me, I, I am going to be so regretful that I can't point and say, hey, you see that guy? You see that girl? You see him? You see, those people are here because of a conversation that we had. And, and I think what you're hearing, the theme of what you're hearing me talk about last Sunday and tonight is that when we say, I'll follow you, we are saying what's important to you is now important to me and how you lived is how I'm going to live and during seasons where I have to wait I'm just going to grip my teeth and believe that you have everything in control but I'm ready and I'm going to be very proactive and so um, I just want you to know in a transparent moment that's where my walk with the Lord is right now I just feel God really wrestling with me saying Frankie time is almost up it's almost up 